Hey, what's up, Warrior? This is Jeff Anderson from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 419. So this week, it is time for you to grab your cape, squeeze into your tights, and I know you've got tights, and get ready to lay down some serious superhero justice, because the evil villains are all around you. Or at least they may turn into evil villains if any of these seven factors are present during an SHTF type event. Let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right. Hey, what's up, Warrior? It is Jeff Anderson here from WarriorLife.com and the WarriorLife Academy with episode number 419 for our podcast. So I'll get a little bit of a story for you this week. So Oswald Chesterfield Cobblepot was born into this wealthy debutante family back in New Jersey in the 1940s. And unfortunately, Oswald didn't look the part that was considered proper for those ritzy family functions, those public appearances that his parents and the rest of his family were all expected to show up to. Now, he was considered brilliant, even at a young age, but he was unusually short. He was actually quite obese, and he had this long, crooked nose that that looked something like a bird's beak. And to make matters even worse, Oswald's father died of pneumonia when he was young. So his overprotective mother made him carry an umbrella with him everywhere that he went, just in case the weather got bad so that he didn't get sick himself. Now, as you can imagine, Oswald was the laughing stock of all the kids at school. He was ruthlessly bullied and teased his entire life, even being called a horrific nickname to go along with his short, pudgy features and that bird-like nose that he had. And it was a nickname that he tried over and over again to lose. But it didn't matter. It was no use. He was considered ugly and unwanted by everybody. And Oswald gave up trying to fit in with the rest of the kids, trying to fit in with his family, even society at large. And this rejection had turned his heart cold, and it filled him with loathing for everybody who had shunned him. In fact, he vowed to get revenge, and he used his genius to create weapons that could be used to control and harm others, as well as pull off all kinds of these crooked criminal schemes from robbing banks to kidnapping these elite members of society just for ransom. Oswald was even able to convert his umbrella into an everyday carry weapon that could both shoot out sleeping gas if he was threatened, or he could even open it up and it would help him escape the scene and not get captured by the authorities. Now, if you haven't figured it out by now, this nicknamed reject of society is none other than the Penguin from the Batman comic series. And it certainly changes our perspective a little bit when we think about how this evil supervillain is really just a short fat kid from New Jersey with a big pointy nose who wanted nothing more than just to be loved and accepted by his family and by his schoolmates. But life's not always fair, is it? I mean, I'm sure that you've probably known kids in your lifetime who were bullied at home and end up turning into bullies at school or maybe even later on in life, right? Or you may have had coworkers who were embarrassed during a team meeting by their boss. And so they clam up and they they never open their mouths again because they're afraid of looking stupid in front of other people. Now, the truth is, 
The Penguin's evil origin story is symbolic of how the twists and turns of life have the potential to shape who we are, how we feel about ourselves, and how we act for good or bad interaction, uh, you know, basically our interactions with other people that are out there. In fact, this week's monthly warrior workshop for our Warrior Life Academy All Access members is titled Becoming a Survival Superhero. And we're going to be covering simple ways that you can copy some of the greatest secrets of heroes like Batman and Spider-Man and Superman so that you can become the protector that you and your family need you to be when you're faced with a crisis or some sort of a threat. So if you are currently an All Access member, please make sure you show up for that training, that workshop, grab it all, uh, because it's going to be a lot of fun. And you're going to walk away with some very practical ways that you can develop your own superpowers right now for any kind of a threat or a disaster or a collapse or anything. Now, if you are not an All Access member, you can still check out the details inside of the free version of the Academy by going to uh, warriorlife.com slash loot and checking out. we got a bunch of free resources in there. It's in our loot locker area, and you'll be able to find out more information about the workshops that we have also. Now, you might not think that you and your family are in any danger of being in the crosshairs of some evil supervillain out there. But just like the, the sweet, loving Oswald Copperpot was transformed by the conditions of his life to follow a path of lies, deceit, and these wicked acts against innocent victims, you might be surprised at how fast and easily people in your own life can be transformed into a personal threat when you are faced with a crisis that hits your area, either from a natural disaster or it could be a collapse of infrastructure. it be any sort of a wide-scale crisis. In fact, let me share with you in this broadcast seven evil origin factors that can literally turn even your best friends and your family members into a direct threat against you and your family when the shit hits the fan. So number one is inclement weather. Now, it's hard to be cheery and see the good around you when you are soaked to the bone from the rain and you're freezing your ass off. I mean, I can tell you some of my most miserable times in my entire life were at Fort Drum, New York, when I was with the 10th Mountain Division out in the field during a freezing rainstorm. A lot of people out there, I know you can you can identify with what I'm saying. A lot of people that have been in Afghanistan you know that it gets really cold. I mean, it looks like for people on television, it looks like it's the desert, right? But no, it's like there are parts. I mean, I've been in Panama in the mountains where I've seen it snow. We're talking near the uh, near the equator. So anywhere that you're at, you can actually feel the effects of inclement weather. And I can tell you that being wet and cold is is a horrible, horrible thing to have to uh, have to deal with, right? Now, others in your area may be affected by the weather also, whether that's due to damage in their home or even if just you'd like to have the loss of electricity. Like last year's Texas freeze, people didn't have electricity. People died simply because it was cold outside. Now, certainly there are people in other parts of the country, uh, certainly other parts of the world that face free, way, way more freezing temperatures than that without electricity and are able to somehow live through it while other people die when the conditions are not right there. So that's looking at two different ends of the spectrum, but there's a whole lot of people in between there with the loss of electricity and not having enough water and things like that, that make life hard. And not everybody just absorbs these losses with a cheery smile. And any one of these people can suddenly turn into a threat 
against you and your family, even if it's just from the standpoint of their attitudes and reactions and how they're interacting with other people that could be threats with you as well. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But uh, evil origin factor number two is sleep deprivation. So I was part of a military experiment uh, back in the mid 80s or so, where we spent five days without sleep. And I mean, like zero sleep. We just did missions 24 seven. These were these weren't real combat missions. These were these were other missions. Some of them were defensive. Some of them were offensive. Some of them were for supplies. There were there were lots of different missions that we went on, but it went 24 hours a day for, well, not 24 seven, it was 24 five, 24 hours a day for five days, essentially. And I can tell you from experience, it was a roller coaster ride of emotions. And you really see what people are made of when they're at their worst, when they're cranky, they're fatigued, they're physically, mentally exhausted. People's reasoning and decision-making skills, they take a nosedive, they plummet. And when that happens, they're more likely to take action against other people that could be harmful. Now, I've seen like good friends just about come to blows out in the field over simple scenarios because they just didn't have the mental bandwidth to be able to reason with one another, to be able to compromise and work together for mutual support. So even if you're looking at things like you have a mutual aid group or a survival team, you might have a close-knit team. It might even be members of your own family. It might even be your best friends that if they're not getting sleep because of the conditions that you are under, or if you have a small team, but you're maintaining watch throughout the night to be able to make sure that everybody does stay safe, I can tell you that not everybody can get back to sleep during those times. Or if you have extra long shifts, um, you're going to see it wear away at people. During this exercise, and we had men and women that were part of this, this sleep exercise, uh, the sleep experiment in the military, I can tell you, I have never seen people so ready to just snap as I as I have them. Because not only do you have the elements outside where you have the inclement weather, but you without the sleep, you can't cope with the other stressors that you have out there. So these are not, not, it's another thing for you to really kind of keep in mind when you're thinking about the people around you and the safety that you had before that might be transformed right in front of your eyes. Okay, evil origin factor number three are withdrawals from drugs. When supply lines go down uh, because of a disaster or anything that collapses the infrastructure where you can't get resupply in there, the coping mechanisms that, that a lot of people have that they use sometimes on a daily basis to de-stress, like when they're scarce or even non-existent, you're going to see changes in people. So if, you, if you've ever felt like or you ever heard anybody say anything like, man, I would kill for a cigarette right now, or I could really use a beer then you know what I'm talking about. I personally don't smoke, but I mean, I've seen people out in the field, especially um, in the military, out, I mean, no matter where it is, like you see the effects of withdrawals on people with drugs that they're used to, used to taking regularly. It's not as bad like when it's alcohol related. And I mean, like cigarettes are something that people need, you know, they're really hooked on them that they need like throughout the day. So that's a stressor like, it's a nonstop stressor throughout the day. Alcohol can have a different effect. Some people, you know, they don't, they don't like go to work and 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 start drinking alcohol, or they might not be all day drinkers. Um, but when they get home to be able to de-stress, that was their coping mechanism, but they don't have it anymore. And so you're gonna find it's gonna be at different levels of different people, 
but you are going to see those effects for people and how it's going to affect their actions as well. I mean, hell, some some homeless will spend countless hours out in the blistering sun begging for small donations just for their next drink. And a lot of criminals are criminals because stealing is their fastest way to get an, enough money for like their next drug fix. But it, it doesn't have to be that, that seedy underworld who's going to become a threat, right? I mean, you can even have friends and neighbors who whether you know it or not, may to be may be dependent on things like painkillers, like opioids. And they may act out in ways that aren't like them, or they might even resort to theft during a crisis because of their withdrawals from their lack of medicine. So if you know those things about somebody, that's great. You know how to plan ahead of time for encountering that kind of a mentality and be able to protect yourself from it. But also know that you might not every you know everything that's happening behind closed doors in our friends and even our closest families' houses. So just be aware that those types of things could be the reason why you're seeing changes in people's behavior. Okay, evil origin factor number four is hangry. Hangry. All right. Have you so have you ever fasted for an entire day or or more than a day, like for two days or more? Or, you know, I've, I've never, we're getting, my girlfriend and I are getting ready to start um, fasting uh, more. And it's actually going to be one of the things that we're going to, we've got as a surprise for members of our All Access Academy as one of the things that people can look at as far as experiencing on the hormonal level what happens when our bodies don't have the food that we're looking for. Um, for me, I know if I, if I miss more than like two meals, I start to get a little cranky myself and I have a, I have less tolerance for things that normally wouldn't bother me, but they start to kind of irk me a little bit. Now this is completely natural, but it's also affected by other factors around us. And even whether we're aware of our emotions at the time and that it's due to being hungry. There was a study that was done back in 2018, I think it was, and there was like 200 university students and they fasted for a day and then they were assigned a computer task and the computer task was set up where they would work on it, but the computer crashed right before they finished the exercise. And then to make things even more stressful, the researchers that were doing the experiment came in after the crash happened to the computer and blamed the student for the crash and got really upset with them. And what they found was that there were two sets of people in this experiment. And there were those that were prepped to know and think about their emotions as they were hungry and associating it with the hunger. And there were those who weren't prepped at all. They just fasted and they did the exercise. And what the research found was that those who weren't prepped to be aware that they were hungry were less likely to describe the experiment as unfair and that the researchers were being judgmental and harsh. So these emotions really reach a boil because as our blood sugar gets lower from lack of food, we don't have all the resources that we need to be able to control ourselves and our anger, hence the word hangry, when you're hungry and angry at the same time. And cortisol levels also increase when we when our body senses that we're we're starving, and this can cause even more stress because it's causing you to perceive having even more stress, and it's just a downhill spiral from there. And it's not just the lack of food that affects our moods and our our mental functions, our our cognitive abilities. So that brings us to number five, which is dehydration. 
So water is another source that can become scarce during harsh conditions as a result of whether it's a disaster or an infrastructure collapse. And normally our bodies are in, you know, normal hydration levels. If you have any sort of a scale, like I've got a scale that, that tells me the hydration level. And so um, it's, you know, hard, the hydration should be between 45 and 60%. Now it only takes 2% dehydration to affect our attention span, our memory and our cognitive functions. And fortunately, it only takes a couple of ounces after that to be able to, you know, kind of reverse this. But for many of you that find yourself getting tired in the afternoon and you resort to having some coffee to be able to wake you back up, you get really tired um, after a meal, especially when you're, if you do have a meal, like you're, 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 um, the blood's going to your stomach and it's coming out of your head. It's that blood's got to come from somewhere. And so it reduces your mental cognition there. And that's where people resort to caffeine. But really what you are is just dehydrated. That lack of attention span, the, the feeling of being tired, that's dehydration happening right there in front of you. And rather than having coffee, you're better off just having even just a few ounces of water to help reverse that, but also making sure that you do stay hydrated, especially during times where there is a crisis or infrastructure is down. So to calculate your hydration needs, you know, you can't really follow like the gallon a day of, you know, that's what most people will say, but really you can find out for you. All you have to do is just take your body weight and divide it by two. And that's going to give you the number of ounces that you should be drinking each day of water. Okay. And that's going to help you maintain that mental cognition, especially when you it's, it is a crisis and you have to maintain your your decision-making ability to make the best decisions for keeping you and your family safe. But also understand that when those resources are low, I mean, look at Jackson, Mississippi right now with the, with the, uh, the crisis that they're having there where they don't even have drinking water in, in the city. Well, that's a time where we have a crisis that's happening. That's affecting a wide scale area. It is limiting resources that are available. So water is scarce. Now people are going to be upset right now because Number one, they're being forced to go through all this, and that's going to end in anger, right? It's much easier to to throw stones at our enemies and blame the government and blame all these people about you know not taking action. And there might be very good reason to lay blame in those areas, but people grumble during hard times. Now, if you add all these other factors in there as well, now you're looking at a potential like firestorm of ferocity and violence potentially um, during times like this. So again, it's very important that you understand it, maybe even monitor the levels of the people around you to see, is there is, are, is there resupply in the area that is going to, you, you're going to be able to get kind of a better, like a, a feeling of the threat level in your area based upon the resources that are able to make it in there. If water didn't, water supply did not come in, if people, or if people were being rationed, then you know that there could be potential problems in your area. You have to, it allows you to be more cautious about the things that happen around you, about your interactions with other people as well. All right. Uh, evil origin factor number six is trauma. Um, a crisis can hit people in a lot of different ways and it has a long lasting effect on them. And it's, it's really individual per the person. Um, I can tell you that for years after the flood that hit my little Texas town just outside of Austin um, some years back, uh, my wife at the time could not sleep at night if it was raining heavily. 
and we weren't even like we it's not like we were on the roof of our house when the flood came by we'd lost um about a dozen people we lost um i keep saying it was a dozen but i think it was like actually it was like 11 people of our of our townsfolk that died in that flood and 75 homes were dragged off in there in the middle of the night so for a lot of people when it starts raining in the middle of the night it's real i mean like in texas it's just it's either like there's never it doesn't seem like it ever sprinkles it's just either like there's not a cloud in the sky or you can't see your hand in front of your face but that really affected everybody in the area um and it doesn't have to even be something that you consider something that is a traumatic experience now for me the pandemic really had no issues whatsoever had no effect whatsoever on my level of of trauma or depression or anxiety or any experiences like that that other people did have simply from not being able to go outside or feeling like they couldn't go outside or feeling like life has changed for them uh, beyond their their expectations and beyond their control it i've been but i've been in combat like i've had i've had a bullet go by my head like my range of what's acceptable and tolerable within my life from a stress standpoint has been stretched very, very wide. So things like that, like I just get to stay home, right? Unfortunately, I had a job that allowed me to do that, but not everybody is like that. So it's not for you to say what should or shouldn't be considered traumatic for somebody. That's really for that per that individual person and just you understanding that anybody can be affected by any trauma, no matter what it is. So when it comes to any sort of like a disaster or crisis, you know, losing a loved one, um, seeing your home destroyed, uh, watching your entire neighborhood take on a whole new look than what you grew up with, um, which happened in like our Texas town. It was like all of a sudden our beautiful river that we were used to that had these gorgeous like cypress trees that were a couple hundred years old. They were just gone. They were leveled. It changed the entire landscape. It wasn't didn't have the same beauty that it had before, and that's hard to really look at and, and, and watch. Um, or it could even just be the harsh conditions of surviving through a crisis that can cause these traumatic events to become they become filed away in the brain that causes the same emotions, the same fears, the same hormonal fight or flight response. It causes those things to come back long after the incident is over. Now, I've experienced this uh, myself from post-traumatic stress, uh, from combat, and I see it over and over again in the work that my nonprofit does with veterans uh, that are suffering from post-traumatic stress as a result of combat. So if you don't know about our, our nonprofit, um, Operation Save Our Soldiers, in fact, this week I'm getting ready, actually tomorrow, I'm getting ready to go out to our next warrior retreat where we've got nine more veterans that are coming in that have been spit through the, uh, the VA's system for dealing with post-traumatic stress and you know potentially years of drug use to be able to sleep at night for uh, antidepressants the things that they've been uh ineffective means that that soldiers have been given to be able to try and deal with post-traumatic stress um, we are able to get rid of it sometimes in as little as one two-hour session literally gone the effects just gone and it really is because of how these traumatic incidents are stored in our brain. There's a recycle bin and a trash bin in our brain to really simplify it. Trauma is stored in the recycle bin. It's there for a reason. That's why we don't call it post-traumatic stress disorder, or I'll put the dash in there. It's not a disorder like a disease. It is a disorder in that those traumatic experiences are filed in the wrong order. It's put in the wrong place in the brain. It's put in the recycle bin that makes these 
hormones and all those emotional responses we had during combat when an incident happened, it forces those things to come up to be felt, even though you know that the incident isn't happening right then and there. What our our uh, protocol does, we don't even call it a therapy. It's a, it's a protocol that re- kind of rewires the brain. It's not drug related or anything like that. It's just using a, a, a very specific protocol developed by uh, my Cortina. It's called the Cortina method. And we now use this to really erase, basically rewire, re- reorganize that that memory in the soldier's mind. So stress is a very real factor that can actually keep us alive. It's doing its job, but also know that it can affect others around you and it can have a very profound effect. Look at what happened to uh, Chris Kyle. If you've ever seen um, um, American Sniper is the story about Chris Kyle and, you know, really dedicated his life afterwards to be able to help other other veterans that were suffering from post-traumatic stress and was eventually uh, ultimately killed by somebody that he was trying to help uh, was shot and killed by that person. So understand that this is a very real thing for a lot of people out there. Okay. All right. Finally, the seventh evil origin factor that might turn people around you into supervillains is the it's not fair factor. Now, this is one of the more common natural responses that you're going to see among people around you during a crisis. And it really does affect um, your ability to stay safe and keep you and your family protected. Now, hopefully you've taken steps to prepare for a disaster or some other event that could limit resources in your area. So maybe you've saved up some extra food, you have some extra water stored away, you have a, a small arsenal of guns at the ready, and you're sitting on a mountain of ammunition. Well, if others have any knowledge of your level of preparedness, I mean, you can damn well be sure that no matter how many laughs you had with them at the backyard barbecue the weekend before that crisis hit, if your neighbor's kids are starving and you're hoarding a pantry full of frosted flakes, like they're no longer your friends. They are potentially a threat. Believe that. All it takes is a a few times of you saying, hey, I'm really sorry, Al. I mean, I'm sorry your kids are starving over there, but I only have enough cereal to feed my family for the next month or so. You know, pleading with them is not, you know, trying to give your reason why is not going to sit well with them. And you can be sure that Al is going to be grumbling to all the other neighbors in the hood about what an asshole you are because what you're, you guys are friends. Like you're like, everybody should just be able to pull together and like help each other out. And then all of a sudden you have a lawn filled with a small mob of, of hungry soccer moms and, and germ bags and sneakers, all with blood in their eyes, looking to get their hands on your frosted flakes. We've seen this time and time again. I tell a story about um, a, a guy that that wrote in during uh, one of the hurricanes that had hit Florida. And he was fortunate enough that he had electricity to his house. And when he went down to the grocery store, everybody was hoarding as much food as they possibly could. Well, he had a freezer, so he got ice cream, but that was noticed by other people around him. And all of a sudden people were up in arms that, you know, it wasn't fair that he had electricity. Obviously he could, he could get ice cream from the grocery store, but other people couldn't. And so he needed to share his, we saw this during the pandemic with people with toilet paper. It's not fair. You can't take all that toilet paper. I don't have enough toilet paper. It, it, people freak out. All right. So you've got to, you have to know that 
like a lot of this stuff you you're going to have to deal with in any sort of a crisis. Now, I don't, I don't want it to seem like everybody's an evil villain out there, right? When my town went through our deadly flood, nearly every member of our town pulled together to help each other out. I mean, I do believe in the inherent good in people. I don't want to be, I don't want to seem so like that. I'm just going to see the worst in people. I believe that people are inherently good and they want to help each other out. Most people do anyway. Um, but I've also seen normal everyday family folks transform into stressed out, angry, opportunist, opportunistic, um, even violent problems inside of their neighborhood and to their friends, to their family, to their neighbors. They become a threat, even taken to looting to provide for their families and attacking others who did have resources that they also needed. I have seen this with my own eyes, not just criminals or, you know, the, the people that you see looting on, on the news. I'm talking about everyday people because to survive as human, it's actually probably our most human instinct that we actually have. And anybody is going to do whatever they have to in order to survive. I know I am. If I'm, starving my if my family is starving i'm not going to take no for an answer when i know that somebody else has food i'm not we're, i'm not just going to watch my family waste away you wouldn't either and neither will those around you now the key here is to make sure that you are aware of this dangerous transformation that you know that all of these factors that i just went over these seven factors are quite possibly going to take even the best friends or family that you have and transform them into somebody else so you need to make sure that you are aware of this transformation itself and do all that you can to shield yourself and those that you love and are counting on you for protection, that you need to shield them from those in the area that can transform and become that threat. So maintaining OPSEC or operational security by keeping your preps a secret from everyone, and I do mean everyone who is outside of your personal circle of trust. That's going to be a good start, even if it is your children. If you have young children, you don't want to share with them what you're doing to prepare for stuff. It's good enough that you are taking care of them. If you have a spouse, as I did, past tense, who was not preparedness-minded, well, I know that she was going to, I mean, she didn't know my level of preparedness. I didn't want her to. I, she just needed to know that she was protected, but she didn't want to think that way. She didn't want to be paranoid, as she as she put it. Now, you can, I mean, I know she went to her friends and told them what a whack job I was just for even like, just for even putting away extra food and things like that. So we were already a threat. I even had coworkers who said that they they knew what they were going to do in a in a collapse. They were just going to come to my place, knock on the door. They laugh about it, but I know that they're actually, they're telling the truth too. So. Keep it a secret. Loose lips sink ships, whether that's your spouse, your kids, or anybody else. You want to keep that stuff a secret as much as possible. But there are other things that you can do to stay vigilant as well. So in this week's Warrior Workshop, for those of you that are All Access members, um, we are going to cover some super hacks that are going to help you overcome these threats both before, during, and, in, and even after a crisis happens in your area. So I hope that you can join us for this week's training. All you have to do is go ahead and log into the Academy area 
and you'll be able to see the training there and we will um we'll get that up and running and then we have the mini mission afterwards which is going to be a lot of fun for you to be able to uh develop your own superpowers and compete for some prizes that we'll have uh as part of our mini mission where we take the the workshops and we put that training actually into action uh, we're actually gonna have lots of winners this month and i'm looking forward to uh i've got a something fun uh planned for everybody so that'll be kind of cool all right. Uh, until then, what I'd like to do is hear from you out there. So in the comments, I'd love to hear your stories of how you've seen others transform during times of crisis. What were the effects that you've seen? Um, and what steps are you taking to stay safe from the people threat in your area when others can't be trusted, maybe, um, because maybe they are a danger as those conditions of the crisis itself just escalate? So please go ahead and leave a comment wherever you are watching this. If you're watching this stream on one of our social media channels on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, please go ahead and leave a comment there about anything that you've noticed also in the steps that you're taking. Or if you want to, you can just go over to our blog where you can find this podcast over at warriorlife.com slash podcast. And that's going to take you to the special section that we have set up on the site where you can go ahead and do that. And if you are a Loot Locker member, please go ahead and grab the one-page cheat sheet for this episode. It's going to allow you to go ahead and print out this one as well as our previous cheat sheets that we have. It's just one page that allows you to kind of take our best episodes, put it into a binder so that you've got a great resource there, be able to go for the best of hacks that you can use from some of our past training as well. All right. You can do that by just going over to warriorlife.com slash loot. You can sign up for free and that'll take you over to our resources section where you can grab those cheat sheets as well as a bunch of other reports and other things that we've got ready for you there. All right. All right. So I can't wait to hear from you. And until our next broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.